Traumatic brain injuries can present a lifetime of consequences. Previous studies indicate that hypothermia may be a viable treatment option, but little data has demonstrated efficacy for our youngest patients. Is hypothermia effective in treating pediatric brain trauma patients in a more rigorous research setting? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment, Focus on Children's Health. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon. And our guest is Dr. Jamie Hutchison, Associate Professor of Critical Care Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Toronto and Research Director of Critical Care Medicine at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto. Dr. Hutchison is the lead author of research published in the New England Journal of Medicine on hypothermia treatment for traumatic brain injury in children. Welcome, Dr. Hutchison. Well, thank you very much, Mark. We are discussing the utility of hypothermia treatment for pediatric traumatic brain injury. Dr. Hutchinson, tell us a little bit about hypothermia and how did all this get started? Well, hypothermia has been used for many, many years to treat patients with brain injuries. It was actually used as long ago as the 30s and perhaps even before that. And there was some recent evidence in adults with brain injury that it may be efficacious. There may be two reasons to use it in traumatic brain injury. One is to control intracranial pressure. If if the brain swells and the pressure builds up inside the cranium, then definitely hypothermia therapy will definitely lower the pressure. It's known to be an effective physiologic therapy. The second reason for using hypothermia therapy is to decrease the secondary brain injury that occurs through several different mediators leading to cell death. This can start within hours or within minutes of the brain injury and go on perhaps for several hours or days after the injury. So instead of using cooling to lower intracranial pressure, the cooling has begun shortly after the injury and continued on for a certain period of time, and then the patient is rewarmed. Now, what kind of injuries are we talking about? So traumatic brain injury results from trauma, and the most common cause in children would be motor vehicle collisions, and then falls and sports-related injuries. Also, children can suffer trauma from inflicted brain injury. We didn't actually have patients with inflicted brain injury in our study. Now, what about the results in adults of hypothermia? What has that been? It has been known for years that hypothermia can lower intracranial pressure, but in terms of the second indication and lowering the temperature early and keeping it going for several days regardless of intracranial pressure and then increasing slowly the temperature, it's still controversial whether that should be done or not. There's been many different studies and it's still not known if it could be effective if used in that way. Has there been a difference in the results with respect to children who have hypothermia versus adults? The studies for children are, I I would say, in an early phase. There are far more studies in adults. And so far, once again, the jury is out as to whether hypothermia will be effective in children or not. So how do you determine if a child comes in with traumatic brain injury whether you're going to use it or not? Currently, what we do is we use it for those patients that have intracranial pressure monitors in and that have 
high intracranial pressure, and we do use it as a physiologic therapy, if the intracranial pressure can't be controlled with other what we call earlier tier therapies, such as giving mannitol or hypertonic saline or simple maneuvers just to control the temperature down to a normal temperature, if those fail and the pressure is still up, then we will cool the patient. And we just titrate the therapy so we can, depending on the temperature that you cool the patient to, the pressure inside the head will be controlled to a certain degree. So we generally will cool down to about 35 degrees Celsius, a couple of degrees Celsius below normal. And then if that doesn't work and the pressure is still up, we'll go down lower in the temperature. And we also are very careful not to lower the body temperature below 32 degrees Celsius, sort of as a safety margin, because we're worried that we may trigger more side effects with lower temperatures. If you have just joined us, you are listening to a special segment, Focus on Children's Health, on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and our guest is Dr. Jamie Hutchison, Associate Professor of Critical Care Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Toronto and Research Director of Critical Care Medicine at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto. We're discussing the utility of hypothermia treatment for pediatric traumatic brain injury. Dr. Hutchison, what are the key mechanisms behind your hypothesis that hypothermia affects traumatic brain injury? We believe that there's many different mechanisms by which hypothermia therapy may be effective. So unlike people that have been using certain targeted drug therapies to target one specific molecule or one specific pathway, hypothermia appears to work by many different pathways. So after a traumatic brain injury, there's a great deal of inflammation, there's release of excitatory neurotransmitters in the brain, there's triggering of both apoptotic and necrotic mechanisms of brain cell death, and it appears in some recent studies that look at multiple different pathways that hypothermia can affect a number of these pathways. It's anti-inflammatory, it's anti-excitatory amino acids, it's anti-apoptotic. So that may be the beauty of this particular therapy. It's like a shotgun approach. Now, when you talk about traumatic brain injury, if we would relate that to the Glasgow Coma Scale, what would that be? So in our study, we enrolled only patients with what we called severe traumatic brain injury. So the Glasgow Coma Scale, as you know, ranges from 3 being as low as possible to 15, which is normal. And patients had to have a severe traumatic brain injury with a Glasgow Coma Scale of 8 or less to go into our therapy. And generally, that would be an indication for intracranial pressure monitoring if there's also evidence of a traumatic direct brain injury on CT scan. Now, you mentioned at your institution in your research that you institute hypothermia with increased intracranial pressure when other modalities are not successful. Is this common across the board where everyone institutes hypothermia for this primary indication? It is common. As you know, there's guidelines for adults with traumatic brain injury. There's also Brain Trauma Foundation guidelines for children with brain injury. And in fact, hypothermia therapy is recommended within those guidelines. How do the patients tolerate hypothermia with respect to their other organ systems? It appears to 
to be reasonably safe. There are side effects potentially, such as if you go below 32 degrees Celsius, you can induce arrhythmias. It does affect the immune system and probably slows down neutrophil function, for example, in terms of phagocytosis. So it could potentially increase the risk of bacterial infection and particularly ventilator-associated pneumonia. So it could have an adverse effect on the lungs. That's been found in some studies, but we didn't find that in our studies. There may be some effects on definitely coagulation. So the lower the temperature is dropped, then it will render an anticoagulant type state. So that has to be monitored for and watched for, and side effects need to be watched for. Now, in terms of your research, specifically hypothermia for children with traumatic brain injury, is it a nay or yay? So for the, our study was negative. By negative, we didn't show any benefit. So we were giving hypothermia therapy within eight hours for a duration of 24 hours to all patients that met our inclusion criteria. So it was regardless of intracranial pressure. And then we rewarmed at 0.5 degrees Celsius every two hours. So our study did not show any benefit. It showed a trend towards a higher mortality and showed an increased incidence of hypotensive events. Did this uh, surprise you? It did surprise us. We were setting out to show benefit, and based on a study by Marion and adults uh, just prior to us starting our study, we were hoping, of course, for benefit. Perhaps, if this is true, that there may have been some adverse effects in our study, it may be that we just had a sh- too short a duration of hypothermia therapy and didn't rewarm slowly enough. If once you start to rewarm, you induce vasodilatation, which can lead to hypotension, and the brain is selectively vulnerable to hypotensive events probably for many days after the injury. So this may be why we were unable to show benefit with our particular protocol of hypothermia therapy. So how does this affect clinically a child coming in with traumatic brain injury? Do you not do it now because of your findings? We certainly don't recommend outside the context of a clinical trial, we don't recommend actually cooling patients immediately on presentation. So that being said, there are, to my knowledge, at least two studies, probably more in some studies in some countries that we're not aware of, where they are beginning to enroll patients into a randomized controlled trial where they're cooling a bit more rapidly than in our study within six hours of injury and then for longer periods, at least 48 or 72 hours, and then rewarming more slowly and not rewarming if there are episodes of hypotension or increased intracranial pressure. So sort of titrating the duration and the rewarming phase to be more cautious and prolonged. So -hmm. those, even though we don't recommend it for all comers, within the context of future studies, I think it's very worth further research. And how do you integrate imaging studies such as CAT scans, functional MRIs, PET scans, etc., into the treatment of a patient that perhaps would be getting hypothermia? Currently, we are using CT scans routinely, and functional MRIs have not been used within the context of these studies, to my knowledge, nor PET scans. We are beginning to use 
MRIs within the context of research. Some people would argue it it is becoming standard of care for children with traumatic brain injury, but that's still a little bit controversial. So we don't we don't currently integrate those advanced imaging modalities routinely into the use of hypothermia therapy. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Jamie Hutchison. We've been discussing the utility of hypothermia treatment for pediatric traumatic brain injury. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to a special segment, Focus on Children's Health, on ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM-157. And thank you for listening.